today on Ag News Daily. Uh, really helping bring all those technologies in today's world right into the palm of your hand and onto your phone. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Mike Pearson here coming to you today solo as the uh, host of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney is uh, actually down in the Sunshine State, I believe. She's out in Florida, wherever that place is. Whatever that place is called, I should say. And uh, I am flying solo. So... I'm here today to bring us the news. And we've got a couple of headlines, really, that are are in the ag world right off the bat. And uh, a lot of them have to do with fairly positive news, one would assume, for the farm markets here looking forward. The first is that the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, said earlier today that Taiwan has committed uh, $2.2 billion to purchase Illinois corn, soybeans, and corn products over the next two years. This was interesting in that it was a apparently an Illinois-centric deal. Um, so the message from Governor Pritzker earlier today said the Illinois Corn Marketing Board and the Taiwan Feed Industry Association signed a letter of intent for Taiwan to buy 5 million tons of corn and half a ton worth of, and these are metric tons, half a ton of corn products. They also pledged to buy between 2.5 and 2.9 million metric tons of soybeans between 2020 and 2021 in a letter of intent uh, signed between the Taiwan Vegetable Oil Manufacturers Association and the Illinois Soybeans Association. Um, for those of you outside the Corn Belt, Illinois is the largest U.S. Soy, uh, soybean grower and the second largest, uh, second to Iowa, I think it's worth noting, uh, corn producer. And uh, Taiwan is is up there as a buyer. They're the number six buyer of U.S. corn and the number nine buyer of U.S. soybeans. And it was, it, I mentioned earlier, it's interesting that these were signed with Illinois specifically. Uh Generally, a, a lot of traders have come out to say, you know, typically we don't see this happening. Uh, usually, if these announcements are being made, they're country to country. Taiwan says they'll buy X number of dollars worth of U.S. corn and U.S. soy, uh, U.S. soy, excuse me. Um, not, not typically with, with each individual state. Um, also, it, it is worth noting that in a letter of intent, it's it's a letter. It is not a binding contract. Uh, there is no language there that says these purchases have to be made or there will be repercussions. There is no, I guess I would say, binding resolution that Taiwan absolutely has to follow through in the time frame they've laid out in the letter of intent. However, uh, Roger Tsai, who is a chairman of the Illinois uh, Corn Marketing Board, was at the signing in Chicago earlier today, and he said, yes, quote, there's no guarantee, but they have always fulfilled what they've said they'll do. And then he went on to say, so far, they've been a very reliable customer. And it is also worth noting that this is not the first time that Taiwan or industries inside of Taiwan have made state-specific purchases. In fact, it was just last year, Taiwanese trade officials signed a very similar letter of intent to buy 3.9 million metric tons of soybeans from farmers in Minnesota and Iowa. So 
Maybe this is just the way Taiwan likes to do business. It's a little unorthodox, perhaps. But, hey, so long as they follow through and we're getting uh, getting these products off of our shores, then uh, that's a win. Speaking of getting these products off our shores, we continue to make headway with China. Um, granted, uh, we, we talked yesterday about how the Chinese trade delegation went home instead of doing their farm visits and then said yesterday that, hey, that had nothing to do. They, you know, they didn't want to have any bad uh, uh, intentions, you know, the signals from that. So they, they went ahead and bought some uh, 600,000 uh, tons of corn or excuse me, of soybeans yesterday. Today, they have gone ahead and they have issued waivers to importers uh, from their soybean tariffs. So, oh gosh, that was probably a month ago, two months ago now, Beijing went out and effectively banned importers, non-state-owned uh, entities in China, banned them from buying agricultural products from the U.S. They have now walked that back and they've gone a step further and now they have uh, have issued to several importers the permission to buy U.S. soybeans without having to pay the tariffs that China has put on soybeans for import. So these are all kind of seen as olive branches ahead of the uh, the high-level trade talks that are coming in October between Washington and Beijing, and uh, the waivers that they're. Two rounds of waivers, I should say, um, allow these importers as a group to import between five and six million metric tons. Uh, this is notable because we have seen China return to the U.S. market, of course, on Friday and, or excuse me, on Monday. Gosh, yeah, today's only Tuesday. So on Monday, you know, we, we saw them step in as buyers and, uh, this is, this is all good news. Um, however, Earlier today, President Donald Trump issued a stinging rebuke to China's trade practices and uh, and said he wouldn't accept a bad deal. So, I mean, it's kind of a push-pull where we're not seeing huge rallies on this news because we're still waiting to see what happens, A, with the trade talks in October, and B, what is really going on with African swine fever in China. Uh, the trade doesn't fully believe the herd numbers that China, the Chinese government has been putting out there since private analysts place the death loss so much higher than the Chinese government does. But, uh, you know, at least we're seeing some movement. At least we're seeing some beans shipped over. Um, basically, there were um, several firms that were that received these waivers, uh, but they, they weren't authorized to speak to the media, so we don't have a whole lot of detail on, on what they entail. That's why we don't know, is it 5 million metric tons worth of waivers, or is it 6 million? Eh, yeah, I guess we're, we're still trying to get these, uh, these details worked out. Um, in other Chinese news, the, the Xinhua, or Xinhuai news agency, reported earlier today that China's Customs Tariff Commission of the State Council will continue to exclude ag products, uh, soybeans and pork in particular, from the list of additional tariffs on U.S. goods that might come down the pipe. Um, 
Granted, we're, we're seeing a thawing in negotiations here between the U.S. and China, but we're by, by no means at an end of this trade war. And as the two countries dicker back and forth here over the next 30 days while these trade talks are ongoing, we could see tariffs get put on one another's products, of course. Uh, however, the, if the customs uh, tariff, whatever that group was in China, says that... Uh, they're not going to put any new tariffs on pork and soy, and they've reiterated that now twice. That seems to be a pretty, pretty good sign. So we'll see how seriously we can take this, of course, in the next 30 days. It would be fantastic to see purchase orders come through. It would be, for pork or soybeans, it would be even more fantastic to see cargoes load out and ship up, or ship out, because that is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to trade. It's all well and good to say you're going to buy things. It's a little better to actually get out there and buy them in the markets. But as a lot of our listeners know, we've seen this game time and time again with China. They step in, make purchases, and then later on in the future, they cancel those purchases or they defer those purchases. They try to roll them to subsequent months. And uh, ordinarily when that happens, we see the market take a dip because we're we're not actually getting rid, in most cases, it's soybeans that China has done this in. And, uh, you know, we're not actually getting rid of the beans and they continue to pile up here on our shores. So positive steps, movement, in the right direction when it comes to uh, to, to getting uh, soy and pork off our borders and out to somebody else to help draw down our domestic supplies and hopefully in that way move prices to the upside. But again, it's just a sign. It's the right sign, but it isn't, well, it, it isn't money in our pockets yet. I think we need to remember that and uh, remember that just as easily as these things can be announced, they can also still be undone. So we'll keep an eye on them as uh, as this gets closer. And hopefully in the subsequent weeks from now, we'll be able to report on huge soybean and pork sales to China. Um, we'll be talking a little bit later on. Delaney and I had a conversation with Dr. Dermot Hayes from Iowa State University. He is an econ professor who has done quite a bit of work into the impact of African swine fever in China and what is what it has meant for their domestic pork consumer. And he's talking about some pretty big numbers, pretty big impacts from that disease. And, uh, Anyway, stay tuned. I'm not sure what day Delaney wants to get that played, but uh, we'll be talking to Dr. Hayes a little bit later on, and uh, the numbers are staggering. The Chinese consumer certainly is noticing the impact of African swine fever, and it certainly would appear that there is room in the marketplace for more American pork into that country. But, uh, you know, we got to see China write a check before we can take these things at face value. Uh, we do have some bad news. A couple of pieces of bad news have come out today for our friends in the broader uh, U.S. economy. 
the first, as any of you with retirement accounts in uh, the broader equity markets have noticed, we had a pretty, pretty, pretty big sell-off today in equities. Both the Dow and the S&P 500 were down fairly substantially as of my recording. And uh, a lot of this was on the idea that uh, Democrats are taking seriously the notion of impeachment proceedings against President Trump. As... Much uncertainty, as the president's Twitter feed has thrown into the global markets, there is still the perception that uh, the president is pro-business and good for Wall Street, and his impeachment would add a huge, huge weather or wedge of uncertainty into that market, and so we're seeing a sell-off. So that's, that's step one of bad news, and we'll see what happens, uh, you know. Speaker Pelosi is expected to make her her impeachment whatever thoughts known. I, I've been uh, at a convention all day, so I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to uh, Secretary or Speaker Pelosi. Uh, not that I, I typically do, but I, I paid even less attention today. Just seen a couple of headlines, and, and I know that's what, what has moved the equity markets. The other piece of negative information that unfortunately came out the same day as this idea of impeachment or the idea of impeachment, of course, has been around for a while on the left, but does seem to be gaining some traction here amidst the, the Ukraine controversy. The other piece of news that came out is that consumer confidence was way down in the month of September. In fact, the actual consumer confidence number was below experts' estimation of what that number would be by the most since 2010. It was the, the greatest miss, I should say, in nine years. And uh, basically, the conference board, which is, a, which is an industry group that gets together and does this survey of consumer attitudes, said that the uh, U.S. consumer confidence fell to 125.1. It's on a... It's an index, so it's you know it's on a numerical scale. Uh, so it dropped. It dropped almost nine points, a little over nine points, I should say. Uh, and most economists, in fact, the forty-nine economists who were surveyed by Reuters, only expected it to drop by one point. So this was big news in the fact that uh, that most traders and most economists were not anticipating such a drop, but. Uh, what they found is that basically in the month of September, people have been very rattled by the trade war rhetoric and the the tariffs coming and going and coming and going between the U.S. and China, this potential deal between the U.S. and Japan, the lack of getting a USMCA signed. All of these things have combined to make folks a little nervous about what the future might hold. Um they do another study called the Expectations Index. So this is based on the outlook for the future, uh, short-term outlook for income, business, and labor market conditions. It was also down. It was down about 11 points. But uh, economists don't typically do estimations of that number. So we don't know if that was a, a big miss of what economists were expecting, but it certainly was a big drop. So not only are they feeling less confident today, in September, they're also feeling a little less confident in the short term or the 90-day outlook for the future. So we could see some some craziness in the equity markets here going forward. And, uh, you know, as always, when we're talking consumers, the richer they feel, the more they're willing to go out and spend on food, 
particularly high-value proteins, which we have a surplus of in this country. And we're seeing that uh, the cattle kill stay very strong. We're seeing the pork numbers continue to grow. So we need to get this product moved if we're not shipping it overseas, which we're not until China steps into this pork market or beef market in a bigger way. All of that being said, that's the news of the day. Let's see where the market's wrapped up before we jump into our hashtag Tech Tuesday discussion. And uh, we've got mixed trade in the grains. In the corn market, the December contract was up one and a half at 374 and three quarters. The March was up one and a quarter to finish the day at 385 and a half. In soybeans, the November was up one and three quarters at three. Oh boy, that'd be depressing. Closed the day at 8.94 and a quarter. The January was also up one and three quarters. Finished the day at 9.07 and three quarters. The down today was Chicago wheat. The December contract dropped one and a quarter to 4.81 and three quarters. March was off one and a half cents to finish at 4.88 and a half. Now, jumping over to look at livestock, we've got mixed trade in live cattle futures. The October contract was up 27.5 cents at 102.1250. The December was down 35 cents. Finished the day at 107.42.5. In feeder cattle, the October contract climbed 40 cents to finish at 141.65. November up 47.5, finishing at 140.20. And in lean hogs, that October contract climbed $1.05 at $62 even was the close. December up 72.5 cents to finish at 69.10. Let's take a look at where our friends in the dairy market finished the day. Uh, we do continue to see volatility here in class three milk. September contract was down a penny, closed at 18.25. October, however, was down 21 cents to finish the day at 18.12. And that is where the markets close. For our hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation, we are going to be discussing some new technology to come out of Pioneer Seeds and just how that might benefit or impact you as a grower here as we're heading into harvest season. So be sure to stay tuned for hashtag Tech Tuesday. Well, as new tools continue to hit the pipeline for growers this season and continuing out into the future, we are talking today with Jeremy Gretke, who is the U.S. Digital Ag Lead for Pioneer. Jeremy, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, great to be here with you, Delaney. Uh, just looking to share the good news here with uh, some of the new technology we've brought forward for customers. Absolutely. And before we get to that, Jeremy, I just want to ask quickly to clarify your role as U.S. Digital Ag Lead. What does that role entitle? What are you doing on behalf of Pioneer and Corteva and some of those other brands? Yep. Uh, so within my role, my real my day job here is really to drive strategy uh, for the Pioneer brand and really bringing that digital brand experience uh, to life for our customers. Uh, helping through with our Pioneer.com and our Pioneer Seeds mobile applications, uh, really helping bring all those technologies in today's world right into the palm of your hand and onto your phone. Well, and that's the thing. When we're talking about in the palm of your hand, what we really wanted to talk to you about today was the new Pioneer Corn Yield Estimator. And this is an app. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys have put together. Yeah, Mike. Uh, so here, what we've done now is uh, we're consolidating a lot of apps together. And one of the newest features uh, is really the corn yield estimation. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's been a great year to launch this. It's like the number one question on everybody's mind is what is my farm going to yield? Uh, and so that's what we were able to do and deliver here is bring forward a technology as simple as taking a picture uh, of an ear of corn 
and then being able to provide a yield estimate to that farmer uh, on what that uh, potentially, you know, site in the field will be able to yield. Oh, that's really interesting. So explain a little bit more for us how it's estimating the yield. You said you take a picture. So does that generate the yield for that entire field or what kind of area does that estimate the yield for? Yep. Uh, and so that's one of the key things when we talk about yield estimations. What we've really developed is the ability to count kernels, right? So what we're doing fundamentally is counting the number of kernels on that ear. And then we take the factors that go into uh, estimating a, a yield uh, from that point. And so things that go into yield estimation are is what was your sample strategy, right? Did you take the largest ear from the edge of the field or did you walk out uh, into the field and get a representative sample of that area. So we want to uh, add the inputs of plant population. You know, how many plants per acre do I have out there? And one of the key factors then is fill. Uh, you know, we've the question on the uh, with the crop this year is will it finish and fill at the, uh, throughout the season, or are we going to end up with small kernels? And so we have a factor in there that customers can adjust in kernels per bushel. You may be under stress, you know, 90,000 is a, pretty, a good rule of thumb, but if you get under stress, you may have over 100,000 kernels per bushel, and you want to put that in there. Or maybe you've got great fertility, great water, uh, maybe you've got a lot of rain, uh, high yield potential, and you've got some really deep kernels, maybe you're more in that 70 to 75,000 kernels per bushel. So those factors all go into yield estimation. And those factors are all put in by the grower just right through the app, is that right? Correct. Grower can simply uh, type in the, basically the hybrid. Maybe they know what the hybrid is. Maybe they don't. Uh, we've count the kernels from the picture and the machine vision technology we've created. And then they plug in their seeding rate uh, as well as what they think that the crop is going to finish out from a kernel size. And then we'll give them that yield estimation. One of the key things is a, key, a good sample strategy. We also have within that application satellite imagery. So Growers know with the little follow me feature right on your blue dot, uh, like just like Google Maps or anything else, you can see where you're at in the field. Uh, and when we have that satellite image behind me, I know if I'm in a really good area and what percent that area maybe represents the whole farm. Uh, or maybe I'm in a bad area and maybe that represents 10% or 20%. So when I do that point yield estimation, I can extrapolate that out to say, oh, maybe this whole field will yield X. Huh. Okay, that's interesting. So I assume there have been a lot of time and energy put into testing this product to make sure it works. So I want to ask a little bit about the accuracy. It sounds like if you're using some satellite data as well as the app itself, maybe it's a little more accurate. But how do you ensure how accurate should a producer rely on these numbers when it's estimating my corn yield? Yeah, Accuracy is always the game, right? Um, so I'll tell you a little bit of the history here. So we've built this uh, basically kernel counting capabilities for really over the last decade here at Pioneer and the research organization. We actually started out with a Nikon 6000, pulling ears off of plants, hauling them into the lab, uh, putting in a black box and taking pictures. And so we've been doing, you know, kernel counting for, like I said, 10 years now. Uh, but with the advent of the technology and the phones that we have today, we're able to put all that down to the phone now. So accuracy of counting is very high. What I will say is the accuracy of yield estimation comes down to the inputs you put in. Um, so I can take a single picture of a single ear and tell you exactly what that ear is going to do. 
but that may not be representative of what that 180 acres farm will do. And so to get to an accuracy of a whole field yield estimation, one has to have very a keen understanding of what I took a picture of and how representative is that of maybe the 180 acres that I'm trying to guesstimate on. And so to that end, does it make more sense for growers to go in at you know, random intervals, pull several ears and figure up several different uh, yield estimates and then kind of average them together? Or is it just the one ear and go of what you recommend? Yeah, and that's the key thing, why we really combine that satellite imagery behind the scenes. And so when you walk out there, instead of being random, you're walking out to a purposeful spot of maybe the good area and the bad area quantifying, hey, that's 20 acres of my 180 acres farm, and then sampling multiple ears, you know, walk off that thousandth of an acre, uh, pull five ears, or take them right on the, on the plant. We allow users to take up to 20 pictures to get an average yield estimate per point, uh, and then combining that across the field. And so I'd recommend growers going into the good and the bad and the middle, getting those, you know, basically three points uh, from an estimate standpoint, and doing you know five years per uh, location to sample that out uh, to get to a a reasonably comfortable estimate of a whole farm yield. Jeremy, when you are collecting this data from producers, is their app storing all this information? And then, secondly, does that information, if stored in the app, do you guys have access to that information on some anonymous level so you can see maybe at a general sense what certain parts of the country look like for corn yields? Uh, actually, we all the data is stored at the, the user level. And ironically, one of the new features we'll be releasing here in the next couple of weeks is for users to go back and see those points in time. And so you, you know, Delaney, you download the phone, uh, go out and take sam samples across uh, your home farm. Uh, you're going to be able to see all those data points uh, for your home farm that you've taken and reference those through time. So being able to go back, see crop progress because one of the cool things about this technology is as soon as I can count kernels I can start doing yield estimations <clears throat> interesting now when you are looking ahead you're going to be uh, of course as you mentioned rolling out some more features what else is on the horizon for growers as they get familiar with the yield estimator tool yeah, like I said, one of the uh, key features here, Mike, that we've got just rolling out right behind the release is uh, my estimates. And so that's kind of what we just talked about was being able to see where I've been, kind of like a cookie crumb, right? Seeing those pins on a map uh, of what yield estimates I've taken for my, myself and my, myself as a user. Other features we'll be rolling out uh, towards the end of the year and before planting season is, is really consolidation of our Pioneer apps. Uh, so we have another technology with plantability. So growers can take a picture of the barcode on their bag of seed, punch in, I've got a John Deere Air planter, and we'll tell them what the planter setting should be for that seed size that is specific to that bag of seed. We run every batch and every lot uh, from the organization through a planter stand clinic here across the street here in Johnston uh, to basically get planter settings for that. So again, Driving to the camera in the picture, right? Take a picture of a, bar, a barcode, a bag tag, and, and helping growers set that planner because we get one time, one chance to do it right. Uh, and I hope 2019 spring doesn't come back at us for next year. 
Yeah, no kidding. I think you are not alone in that hope. Jeremy, do you have to be a pioneer customer in some aspect to be able to use this yield estimator? And is it just through the general Pioneer or Corteva app that they can access it? So we kind of have two levels inside the, the Pioneer Seeds app. Uh, anybody, like I said, Mike, either one of you two could download it and go to the grocery store and take a kernel count of sweet corn for tonight's supper. Um, and so anybody can go in and download that Pioneer app from a kernel estimation. If you're a Pioneer customer and have a business partner ID with us, you can link that inside uh, the app. And then that connects you to really your historical records within our organization. So working with our Pioneer seed agents, uh, doing farm by farm field planning. And so you'll see your farm structure, your fields, as you've worked with our agents in the past as a customer, uh, or maybe you're a new customer coming in, uh, you and our seed agents can work together to put together that right product on the right acres. Uh, and then that all shows up in your phone. Uh, and so when you go out to plant this spring, you'll be able to see the South 40 is supposed to have 1197 chrome uh, on that field. And the North 80 is soybeans and it's uh, an extend 2188 uh, extend beans going on there. So that's really where that next level comes into that app. Uh, if you're a customer within Pioneer, being able to unlock more te uh, features and tools for you. Very cool. Well, tell us one more time, if I'm going into the App Store or the, uh, the iStore, where can I go? What should I type in to find the Yield Estimator app? Yep, uh, key thing, go into App Store, type in Pioneer Seeds, uh, should come up right away. Uh, stay away from Pioneer the uh, Pioneer Straight, that'll probably pull up the electronics company. So <laughs> type in Pioneer Seeds uh, in the iOS, as well as the Google Play Store. So this is on Android, as well as iOS. Uh, and so you can download it, depending on whatever phone uh, you have, Android or iOS. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, thank you again for sharing about this new tool. It's going to be really neat. I, I like the idea of going to the grocery store and doing sweet corn just for fun, just to test it out. Yep. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did or didn't, I guess we're just happy for your thoughts. Find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Ag News Daily. We love to hear from our listeners. Or if you are a new listener and you want to get caught up on past episodes, you can always check out our website, agnewsdaily.com, and tell us what your thoughts are or listen to other podcasters in the world of agriculture who are all part of the Global Ag Network. All those links are right there. Check out agnewsdaily.com. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to let you go.